It is good to be with you and worship with you as we sing together about this love. It's true, guys. Wherever you're watching this, whatever you uh, may have been thinking about before this service started, how are you been feeling about yourself, it's true that you are loved with this great love. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, nothing to make God love you less. That, that's one of our hopes for you in watching today is that you would know that you are so loved by God, that you are valued and cherished and, and, and held in this precious place by God. Our church is all about uh, the hope that people who feel disconnected from God, which a lot of people are feeling disconnection right now. It's for people who feel disconnected from God and disconnected from the church to find hope, healing, and wholeness. So just uh, sit back and sit in that today, that God has something to say to you, that God cares about you, and God loves you. I want to tell you uh, about how I became a pastor. You know, I've been doing it so long now that it seems even natural to me, but I didn't grow up like thinking I would be a pastor or having people tell me that I was going to be a pastor. Like my dad wasn't a pastor. My grandfather wasn't a pastor. In fact, my dad and my grandfather owned uh, a dry cleaning and laundry business. And I'm like still heir to the throne today. Like if this doesn't work out, like I have that. I, but I just say like, I never thought about being a like, pastor. Nobody was grooming me for that. I had this experience when I was 18 years old. It's going to sound weird at first, and then it's going to sound even weirder. When I was 18 years old, I found these words coming out of my mouth that I had never even thought before. I actually said out of my mouth, God, I'm going to serve you as a pastor. And as strange as that may sound, what I'm about to say may sound, I feel like the Holy Spirit of God actually spoke words out of my mouth. Um, so I Again, I was 18, I, was, uh, I just graduated from high school, and I was serving on this weekend for other teenage boys uh, to help them grow closer to Christ. I loved God, I was seeking God, but I was sort of a mess at the same time, and I was scheduled and prepared to give the first uh, speech or talk for this weekend, and it was called Ideals, and so I was supposed to share about how, you know, what you think about um, uh, leads to, to where you're going, like how to have positive role models, how to, how to move through life with not... Uh, focusing on bad things. So I prepared this whole speech. And when I got up and stood before these young men, something happened in my heart. And all I could see was them and how I could tell they were feeling like me. And I just shared about Jesus. It was the first time I'd ever done this. I just left my notes and I just told them how Jesus was working in my life and that I was a mess and that I was seeking him. And I just shared all this stuff. And then the time for the talk was to be over. And I walked out the door. It was at this retreat center. And I went down this trail and this pastor guy who I've known my whole life, his name is Buddy, he joined me on that walk and he said, hey, Jake, do you know what just happened in there? And I said, no, I have no idea what just happened. And he said, the Holy Spirit just spoke through you. And my response was, what is the Holy Spirit? Like I had heard about that. I heard about the Holy Spirit in church, but for somebody to say that the Holy Spirit was doing something in me or through me was totally foreign. I actually said the same weekend, like a day before I felt God calling me to be a pastor, I was asking the question, what is the Holy Spirit? And so the next night I was on my knees praying, praying and praying and praying just in my heart. And then somehow, even though all the prayers were in my mind and in my heart, these words came speaking out of my mouth. I just said, I'm going to serve you as a pastor. I'd never thought about it. I'd never dreamed about it. And that moment changed the whole trajectory of my life. I was never the same after this Holy Spirit thing happened. I don't know if maybe you've been wondering as we've been talking about it, what is the Holy Spirit? Like, what is this all about? I've heard about it. What does this mean for real? And what's interesting is that the church actually started with the first followers of Jesus kind of saying like, 
what's this going to be like? What is the Holy Spirit? How's it going to look? What's it going to feel like? How are we going to know? Let me share a few verses from Acts chapter 1 with you. The first one says, Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you heard me speak about. This is the promise we've been talking about. He says, for John, baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are saying, we've read these same verses for the last four weeks. Yeah, we're going to keep reading them, seeing what happens, okay? And so they kind of say like, okay, Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to come on us when? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were standing, and in all Judea, which was the area just around them, and in Samaria, to which was an area close by, but it was the people that they didn't associate with, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gave them a promise that this Holy Spirit would come. They didn't know what it was, and so the questions were like, so what will it look like, Jesus? And he says, it's going to be like a baptism. It's going to cover you. And then they say, okay, well, when will it come? And Jesus says, not telling. And so then they say, well, what do we do? And he says, wait. Those questions might be important for us today. What's it going to look like, God? It's going to cover you from head to toe. Okay, when? When's it going to happen? Not telling. All right, well, what do we do? Wait. You better wait for it. And within this story that I don't, I don't think we tell enough, like this is the story of how what we're doing today got started. It is the birth story, the initial story, the origin story of who we are and why we do what we do. We don't tell it enough. Within that story, I think is exactly what we need for today. And that's power and perseverance and purpose. It's all found right there. We learn this first. When the power comes, we will become a witness. When the power comes, you become a witness. That scripture said, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So when the power comes, we will become a witness. I see this all the time. Like, I'll see people find power in something new that's happened in their life. Like they'll start a new diet and they lose some weight and they feel better and they have some energy. They found power in this new way of eating. So what do people do who've got this great new diet? What do they do? They witness, right? They witness. They tell everyone about it. Don't eat bread. Don't eat meat. This new one I love, don't eat. That's the new diet. It, it amazes me. People are like, I'm like, how'd you lose all the weight? Like I only eat like for a two hour block at night. I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's like this, is a, but they're witnessing, like, don't, don't eat. I don't eat. You shouldn't eat. And, and so we, we find some kind of new power and we give witness to it. I see it all, all the time. After years, I've seen a people feeling bad. They'll get into a new gym or a new workout place. I've seen it so many times. And here's what they find. Community, people working towards a common goal, accountability. They get fit. They feel better about the way they look. It's so empowering. And so what do you do? You tell everybody about the gym. You need to come to my gym. Or maybe it's a recovery story. This is a beautiful one. You know, someone has been addicted for years. They have destroyed their relationships. Their finances are decimated. They're literally about to die. And a friend takes them to Alcoholics Anonymous or to celebrate recovery. And they get saved from destruction. And they find power. And do you know what they will do for the next person they meet who's in that same ditch? They will tell them about it and make them 
come with them. They will witness. Those things I've mentioned, they offer real power. I'm not trying to lessen them. There's real power in them. But I've also noticed like Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't claim to be the source of power as you're walking through the steps. In fact, they encourage people to find what? A higher power. So for this to work, uh, this stuff we're giving you here is good, but you need to find a higher power. Some people who you know, love their gym, the people I know who love their gym and, and also love Jesus, they'll say, God is still my power source for all of this. You know? I like to run races and I'll see people with the shirts as, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or I will run with perseverance with my eyes fixed on Jesus. So we know that this thing is good, but the power is actually coming from God. Or people who, you know, go on a diet, if you think you're going to find power, like in not eating bread, you're sadly mistaken, right? There's no power in that. Your diet will not give you power. So you go on a diet and you have to have power from the Spirit. And this is where some of you listening are like, come on, you know, really, you know, seriously, are we going to bring the Spirit into everything? Don't you feel like that way sometimes? Like, can I just go on a diet? This has to involve the Holy Spirit. And for the Jesus follower, the answer is yes. For the follower of Christ, the power for all things is found in the Spirit of God. It's going to come like a baptism. It covers you. It covers your life. Jesus was not willing to send out his disciples to witness with a regulated amount of the Spirit with just a little bit of spirit to get them through that day, with just a knapsack, with a portion of the spirit. No, he said, don't go do it until the spirit has been poured out on you. The real spirit, the whole spirit all over you. Why, God, I wonder, why have we made, God, what you want to do so much less than what you promised. What's it going to be like? It's like a baptism. I go out in the day with like a a thimble full of the Spirit, hoping that I can get through the day. That's not the promise. The promise is it's going to be poured out for you. It's going to be poured out upon you. When, Jesus? Not telling what do I do? Wait for it. And that's why so often we run on so little power because somehow we got taught that the Holy Spirit is something you might sing about in a song in church or you might experience maybe in taking some bread and dipping it in juice, but we have no idea what it really is and what it means for our lives. Last week, Chief Hambrick, he's the chief of police here in Mount Juliet, he shared the message with us. I'm still thinking about it. He said, I want to know about the kind of spirit that doesn't just make you run around the church, but impacts the way that you live your life in the small things. You see, not a regulated spirit, not just a spirit for the moment in church, but like for the whole being. And some of us may feel the spirit in church sometimes, but we're grinding it out in our diets and in our workouts and in our jobs and in our marriages. We're just grinding it out with a little thimble full of the Spirit when the Spirit wants to come and baptize you. What would it look like for the Spirit to come and cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet? It becomes power, and when we find the power, we witness to it. 
Last Sunday, I ran into another chief in our city, Chief Jamie Luftman, who is uh, the chief of the fire department. Wonderful man, if you don't know him. I was at this presentation, actually, uh, Providence Church. We were a part of giving a gift to the Mount Juliet Fire Department to John Deere Gators, which are these uh, vehicles, and they were all outfitted for the Mount Juliet Fire Department because when the tornado hit, our city did not have these vehicles, and the fire department had to lug all of their equipment across debris-covered roads, and, and they had to borrow these vehicles from other cities. And, and so um, I was talking to Chief Luffman at this presentation, and he said to me, he said, I talked to one of your church members this morning. He said, I ran into one of your church members, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, I said, who was it? He's like, I can't recall his name. He, was on a, he said he was on a motorcycle. And I was like, that could be any of them. They all have motorcycles. And he said, he inspired me. This is what caught my attention. He said, you know, he really inspired me with his witness to Jesus. He was talking to other motorcycle riders about Jesus. And I was like, whoa, here I am at a public presentation with the mayor and city commissioners and city manager and the chief of the fire department is talking about one of these, one of, one of you guys who's talking about Jesus on a motorcycle. That's a witness. And so I had a few ideas of who it might be, but the next day, uh, one of our church members called me. His name's David, and I thought it might have been David, and, and I said, hey, David, I think Chief Luffman told me about you. Did you run into him yesterday? And he said, oh, yeah, I did. He said, I was out on my motorcycle, and, but he didn't have time to talk about it. He said, I have some questions I need to ask you, Pastor Jacob. You know, we've been talking about race and racism and, and our role as the church in this time, and he had some hard questions for me about race that he was wrestling with. See, David is white. Uh, his partner in his, in his business is black. And so every day that I've known David, uh, he's gotten in the front seat of a truck, uh, him and Willie, and gone to work. So what I'm saying to you is like the last person I would think who would need to kind of wrestle with some questions uh, is David. Like he has a beautiful witness to people of all skin colors. But here he was on the phone with me asking himself hard questions about race and what he could do. The Spirit was pushing him to a deeper witness the power in him was moving. And when the power comes, you become a witness in all areas of your life. Uh, just a, a side of those gators for the fire department, they were a gift from our church, sort of. Uh, a few weeks after the tornado, we received a check in the mail that we didn't know it was coming for $25,000. It was from some Christians in Dallas, Texas, some United Methodist churches in an area where a tornado had come through last year heard of what happened in Mount Juliet and sent $25,000 to our church. So we didn't hold on to it. We sent the money right out the door. And Sunday at that presentation, so they're presenting these, these beautiful vehicles with sirens and all of this. They're presenting them to the fire department, and they're trying to say where they came from, and they know the whole story. And they said, this money came from, and they kind of look at me. I'm like, no. They said, this money came from people in Dallas, Texas, who loved Jesus. And you see what happened is even in that public sphere, it was a witness because of how the Spirit had been moving in people who followed Jesus. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what's going on in the world and our nation, and everybody has an opinion and everybody talks about it. I really believe that the church has the power to get us through this. The Holy Spirit we get to witness to something that's way beyond the vision being given to us by a divided culture because we're the people of the promise. We're the people who know a different power, a witness of something that looks like the kingdom of God. So I'm going to continue to ask you to join me in striving for the kingdom of God and nothing less. Striving for the kingdom of God and nothing less. 
How can we do that? It sounds so hard. Well, one thing I think the scripture teaches us is don't try to witness without the power. Don't try to have a witness if you're not feeling connected to the Spirit. It's a question I've been asking myself right now when I feel inclined to witness, to say something, to put myself out there. I ask myself, am I witnessing from a place of power in the Spirit or because I want to sound smart or because I'm annoyed or because I want to get the upper hand? Christians shouldn't try to witness without the Spirit. Sounds hard, but when you have the power, you can persevere. We're all kind of wanting to get through it, aren't we? Kind of wanting to get through this time. Well, there's no getting through it without the power. There's no perseverance without power. I've been talking about this one part a bunch for several weeks now. I'm going to stay on it because God's still teaching me. And the question is this, do you know, Jacob, Do you know what produces perseverance? I want perseverance. I want to get through it. I want to make it through it. Do you know what produces perseverance? The answer to that question is suffering. Suffering produces perseverance. In Romans chapter 5, it says suffering produces perseverance. So if you are suffering right now, it is producing in you a perseverance to get through. If you're suffering right now, it is not without meaning. It is not without purpose. It is producing perseverance. If you're suffering now and turning to God, even in this moment in faith, it is spiritually training your mind, spiritually training your heart to persevere. If you suffer and turn to God, it is a witness to Jesus, but it's more than that. If you suffer and suffer with Jesus, you are being given power to persevere. We are the ones who can show the way of how to walk through this, even in suffering. It produces something in us spiritually. Listen to this. If you go to church here, you hear me say this verse all the time. Listen to this. The the, the book of Hebrews says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's, That's like on us. Do you see what it's saying? Let us throw it off. If there's stuff hindering you, entangling you, throw it off. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, that's Jesus, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what happened in Acts chapter 1. Jesus went and sat at the right hand of God. So Jesus, Hebrews tells us, endured suffering on the cross, but he persevered, and that sets the way for us to persevere. How? The power of the cross is the same power of the Spirit that was poured out on the church. So we can endure and perseverance because of what Jesus has done. He has set the way for us through enduring the cross for us to make it. And as we persevere, we find our purpose. Thank you, Jesus. As we persevere, we find purpose. The spirit that came at Pentecost, which was this day when that church was birthed, uh, it came down. But before the spirit, the people of, uh, who followed Jesus did not know what to say. They did not know what to do. They did not know how to organize. They did not know what their mission statement was. And we won't either. They just had to wait. But after the Spirit comes, the church knows who they are, what they're supposed to do. They have purpose coming out of their ears, and they spread the name of Jesus, and they witness. They know that they're supposed to be witnesses. So many of us, maybe you're watching this now, we want to know our purpose. What is it, God? 
Well, first, first, you have to let the Spirit cover you. Not just a little bit, not just a little thimbleful, but you have to let the Spirit come and fall on you your whole life. Your whole life, every, every part of it, every piece of it, everything you're going through, every struggle. You have to let the Spirit come and fall. And that will give you power for your workout, for your diet, for your job, for your marriage. And the power starts pushing us through. We start persevering. And, and then we find our purpose, which is what we're going to talk about next week. I'm going to talk a bunch next week about what really is the purpose. What is really the Spirit wanting to see come out of us? But for this week, just stay here with me for a moment. For those who would say, maybe like I was when I was 18, and you would say, at the same time that I want the Spirit of God to fall upon me, I'm still asking, what is this? Right? That's the story of how the church was birthed. They're like, what's it going to be like? Like, baptism is going to cover you. When? Uh, not telling. <laughs> so what do we do? Wait. And so we're in that place where we could say, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like, feel like, sound like, but I want it because Jesus promised it to me. And so I'm holding out hope and I'm waiting for it. You may be thinking, asking, what do I do? What do I do? Well, that's what the people asked the day the church was born. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, brothers, what do we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, it's for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Going back one verse that I read, Peter says, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. What do we do? We repent and we're baptized. If you have repented and been baptized, the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to you. It has been poured out onto you. If you want today to repent and be baptized, then today's the day. Today's the day to call upon the Lord and let it happen. Uh, in fact, we have this saying, I'm going to put it on the screen now. Uh, I'm not some magic person is going to put it on the screen right now to say yes to Jesus. If that's something you want to do, and all, if, you, if you were to text that, say yes to that number, it just means a pastor is going to follow up with you, and we will find a way for you to be baptized, like soon. We will work it out. We will figure it out for you to, to have that experience. And in that, even today, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to ask us to do in this moment is to be like the early church and wait for the Spirit. You know, before we speak, wait. Before we, before we act, to wait. We're going to pray that prayer that we've been praying through this series. It's a very simple prayer. It's a prayer of a humble heart but it's one that could change the whole trajectory of your life. It could wreck your life in the best way possible. You could feel something in this moment whenever you're watching this video that will feel like your whole life is changing, like words are coming out of your mouth that you didn't even know was possible. Purpose is being spoken out of you, and you're like, I did not even know that was possible. I had never even dreamed that. Do you know my family, God? Do you know this is not possible for me? And you're going to experience the Spirit doing something in you, doing something in you, doing a work. It, 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 it may not happen in an instant. It may be more like persevering through suffering, but you don't have to go out, go at it without the power. And so you can call upon God right now and say, come, Holy Spirit. This may be the most dangerous prayer you ever pray. You may want to think about it before the words come out of your mouth. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Come, Holy Spirit. We're not asking God to give you a little something to feel good in this moment or something that can get you through tomorrow. You're saying, I want it to be poured out over my head, over my life, over my kids, over my job over my marriage. I want it, God. I want what you want for me. No longer do I want to regulate you to this small piece or this small part or this part of my heart. I want you to come and change all of me. And so if you want to pray that prayer today, I invite you to just say it. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.